The phone rings. It's your friend who says, I have cancer. An email pops into your inbox. The subject line? Bad news. Your Facebook feed consistently shares stories of pets who have crossed the rainbow bridge, people who have unexpectedly lost their jobs, or parents, spouses, or siblings who are having a rough time. Our question this episode How do you respond to hard situations when you don't know what to say or you're afraid of saying the wrong thing? Welcome to episode 21 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Bilo, and I am so thrilled that you have joined me. Since last week's episode was longer than the typical episode, I'm going to try to make this one a little bit shorter. It's all about balancing time. (laughs) I did love my conversation with Parker Palmer, and I wanted to give us lots of breathing room for the discussion to go where it wanted to go. If you've already listened in, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? And here I would insert a winking emoji. (laughs) Let's explore for a few minutes one of the toughest communication challenges that we all face, that of responding to the troubles of a friend or family member. Right away, I want you to notice my word choice there, responding, not comforting, fixing, or rescuing. It's true that one or more of those things may be called for and even appropriate. I certainly don't want to suggest that providing aid and comfort is a bad thing. I start with the word responding and backtrack on using those other words because we often jump right into thinking that we have to have the perfect thing to say that will make the other person feel better, or if we don't offer help, that we're not a good friend. And sometimes, because we're nervous about saying the wrong thing, we do exactly that. We end up putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. So I want to start by highlighting what you shouldn't do when faced with needing to respond to someone else's tragedy or sad circumstance. And one thing to remember as you listen to this episode, my suggestions are yours to take, leave, or adapt as you see fit. One size does not fit all. My goal is to offer you food for thought and a few tips that I hope make it easier for you when there's a crisis to respond to. To make it simple, I'll use one of the most emotionally charged situations I can think of, the death of a child. I think of this because a colleague just had this happen, and when a mutual friend emailed me the news, my fingers were frozen on the keyboard at a loss as to how to respond. There were no words that seemed adequate. As a society, we've shifted in our feelings about offering, quote, thoughts and prayers, although I would argue that in this particular situation, that's an appropriate response. I think I hesitated because it's become trite sounding. In the past year or so, the phrase has rightfully entered into the national debate about how we respond to everything from natural disasters to mass shootings. People feel it's been used as a replacement for taking action and making changes to prevent or curtail future devastation. When a word or phrase takes on political meaning, it's a call for us to be especially thoughtful and intentional about when we use it but it doesn't mean that we have to completely remove it from our repertoire. 
So offering thoughts and prayers isn't bad. It's just that it may or may not land the way you want it to with the person on the receiving end. Again, using our very tragic example of the loss of a child, other responses I suggest you avoid in the face of someone's grief are, you can always have another, or this must be God's will. I recognize and I want to be clear about this, that those who are centered in their faith sincerely believe that it is God's will for whatever happened to happen, whether it's a death, an illness, the loss of a job, whatever you can think of. In that moment of vulnerability and heartbreak, however, it might be of little comfort, even if that person shares your faith. It might be a point to explore later, either privately through your own reflection or with the other person if appropriate and when appropriate. But in that initial sharing with you, such a response on your part might just stoke anger or confusion. I see it as a proceed with caution response that requires that you really know your friend well. At the moment of sharing, again, depending on how well you know the other person, it's also probably not a good idea to ask, what happened? The catalyst of the tragedy isn't the most important part of the moment for most people. They are in the emotion of the situation, not in the who, what, when, where, and why. If they want to tell you, they will. Now, if it's a close friend or family member and you're speaking privately, then it demonstrates caring to ask what happened. But if it's in a public forum, if it's just an acquaintance or a professional colleague, or you're on social media, such as Facebook, you're asking for private information that if the person didn't disclose from the start, they're probably not ready to share yet. Some of the most respectful and supportive comment threads I've seen in response to someone's post that says, for example, I'm grieving from a loss and ask for your support, those supportive comments, don't ever ask what happened. I admit it can be maddening. I mean, after all, we want to know. We want to know what happened. It's natural curiosity. And knowing the specifics can make us feel more connected to the request and consider more specifically how to help. Sometimes the answer to what happened will naturally be revealed as the original poster responds to comments but not always. And by not asking directly, we are respecting their privacy and their choice to reveal it in their own time, in their own way. It's also true that there are people who practice vague booking, (laughs) or in other words, posting cryptic messages that just say, life is hard right now, please send me good energy, without any explanation or context. You might not agree with me on this, or with any of my suggestions, actually, but I would treat these posts that same way. Give what's asked for, no questions asked. The original poster might be dying for somebody to ask, what's wrong? Or they might be desperate for support, but can under no circumstances talk about it. Their motivation isn't our primary concern. First and foremost, give what is asked for and let them decide if they want to share more. Another common reaction to someone else's tragedy is to share our own experiences. With my colleague whose child died, it might seem natural to share with him that, I get it, I've had a few friends whose babies have died within hours of being born. 
or if someone shares that their pet has died, to say, "Oh, my Tinkerbell died last year. It still hurts. I feel your pain." In both cases, you might share a similar experience, but no, you do not feel their pain, and you don't get it. It can seem like empathy, but in most cases, it only serves to make the situation about you instead of about your friend. It turns the spotlight away from them and could start to make others feel like they have to comfort and support you as well. There might be a time and place to share your personal stories as they relate to the other person, but before you go down that road of "oh, me too," consider if doing so is going to take away from honoring the unique experience and emotions that that person is sharing. Other first responses that you might want to avoid, again. Depending on your relationship with the other person and the context of the conversation, include "Don't worry, everything will be fine," and jumping right into rescue mode with "How can I help fix this?" or "How can we find the positive in this situation?" Either of those responses might eventually be welcomed by the person who's suffering, but in the beginning, they are dismissive of the person's feelings. I had this point brought home to me a few years ago with a good friend. We were talking on the phone, and she was going through a rough patch with her business. I listened for a bit, but not long enough, before I asked, "What do you think you could do differently?" She, to her credit, wasted no time in telling me that that was not helpful, and that she just needed to vent and feel what she was feeling. In that moment, I also realized that I was offering her unsolicited coaching, which was also not helpful. It was a lesson I only needed to learn once. In my desire for her to feel better, which came from a place of genuine concern and caring, I'd only succeeded in rushing her through her process and ignoring her struggle. We all want to be helpful and play some part in alleviating someone's suffering. But if we inadvertently negate, rush, or try to reframe someone's feelings and experience into something that we feel more comfortable with, then we're being the exact opposite of helpful. And now that I think about it, that raises a good point. We have to consider if our response is based on what will make the other person more comfortable, or what will make us more comfortable. Few people feel at ease with someone who is angry, grieving, or suffering, and our initial replies, "It'll all be okay. Let's look on the bright side," or asking what happened, are mostly about us and our curiosity and our comfort, even if it doesn't seem that way at first. By trying to shift the energy to something more positive and less about the emotional side of things, we might feel better, but we risk. Either frustrating or shaming the other person for their feelings. In particular, by saying "Let's look at the bright side," you're communicating that what they're feeling in that moment is not okay. It's human to be angry, grieving, or suffering in the wake of bad news. We have to leave space for those emotions, or else we'll never heal from them. That brings me to what you can do when you're not sure how to respond. Leave space. If you're in person with them, be quiet. Listen attentively. Consider yourself a witness, not a problem solver. 
Let them say what they need to say and feel what they need to feel without jumping in with advice, questions, or platitudes. Affirm and reflect their emotions using their own words. If they say, this really sucks, then you can say, yeah, it really does suck. If they say, I feel so alone, refrain from reminding them how many friends they have and simply say, I can't imagine how lonely this must be. You could ask, how can I best support you and let them tell you what they need instead of assuming that what you would want if you were in their shoes is what they would want. You can say, know that you're in my thoughts or I'm so sorry. I'm here if you want to talk. If you want to take action that makes a gesture that they might appreciate, contribute to any crowdfunding campaigns that might be set up for them, or make a donation to a cause related to their challenge. It might be the American Cancer Society, or a suicide hotline, or a homeless shelter, whatever would be connected to it and have meaning. Let them know what you did without making a big deal about it or looking for praise absolutely not looking for praise, and share it with them by saying something like, I wanted to be able to do something that might make a difference, so I made a small gift to this charity in your honor in the hope that it helps others. And I suggest that you make the donation in your own name so that your honoree isn't added to the charity's mailing list and starts receiving solicitations. Before sharing my final thoughts, I want to take kind of a little time out and do a little podcast housekeeping. Did you know that you can submit a communication question for a response on this podcast? I welcome your questions for inclusion in a future episode. You'll find the online submission form and guidelines at howcanisaythis.com. You can also leave a text or a voicemail 24-7 at 562-704-6643. You'll find that number on the Submit a Question page on the website. And lastly, you can send me your question directly to beth at howcanisaythis.com. And no matter how you submit a question, you have the choice to be completely anonymous if you like. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating or write a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. You can find links that tell you how to subscribe and leave a review in the footer of any page at howcanisaythis.com. I love to hear from listeners and welcome your feedback and thoughts through the contact form on the website. Oh, and I have to say, after some consideration, I've decided to shift the publication of this podcast to later in the week, usually Thursdays. It works better with my schedule, and it gives you the goods just in time for the weekend. My hope is that it's a win-win. In closing, my call to action for you is this. The next time you find yourself in a position to offer sympathy, aid, or comfort to someone... Let go of any impulse to fix their situation, let go of any desire to cheer them up, and let go of any inclination you have to turn the focus back on you and your troubles. These all might seem like the thing to do, and again, there may be times when they are appropriate. My invitation to you is to notice if these responses are your default and to challenge them. Check in with your motivations. Take a deep breath. Relax and take comfort in the fact that nine times out of ten, the best thing you can do for your friend is to simply be with them and let them feel all the feels. You don't have to say anything profound. Just sit with them quietly. 
Honor and respect their process. Hold their hand, give them a hug, hand them a tissue. All you have to do is follow their lead. I hope you've found these ideas valuable and thought-provoking. Please join me for our upcoming episodes, including a return visit with leadership and communications expert Grace Judson, as well as new and returning guests who will respond to your questions and offer us guidance for being more confident in our communication and in our relationships. If you haven't already, I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This is Beth Below, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.